In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Morning, Cleveland. It's a 91st, if I'm correct, episode, Jack, and we're coming up to a 100th episode, so it's super guest time. And once again, I can't take any credit for this uh, guest. Jack, I'm giving it over to you for the intro. Oh, it's just a fantastic guest. I'm a massive fan of everything PFF, and to get one of the, sort of the two faces that you see on Twitter and uh, bouncing around... Um, we're blessed with a guest that can actually spell colour. We've got Sam Monson from PFF. How are you doing, Sam? I'm doing good. How about you guys? We're doing really well. We've had a great week of shows. We've had some massive names on. And uh, no, can't ask for any more. So uh, thank you for joining us. Yeah, no problem. So Sam, my first question is, where in the world are you? I am in Cincinnati, Ohio right now. PFF's headquarters um, is in Cincinnati. So I don't know if people know this, but back in 2014, Chris Collinsworth, um, broadcaster of NBC, former Bengals wide receiver, um, he bought PFF. He, he originally kind of became, found PFF online. I actually found it in a newspaper article that I think the – the Wall Street Journal ran before the 2000 and would have been the 2012 Super Bowl. So the Giants Patriots year, that 2011 season, early 2012, um, they ran an article about how, you know, PFF was uh, becoming a, a secret weapon of the Giants. And Chris's wife actually read the article to him on the way to Indianapolis for the Super Bowl, I think. Um, and he was kind of got him interested in the thing. He looked into it a bit ended up loving PFF enough that he bought the company. Wow. So PFF essentially relocated to Cincinnati. Uh, Neil Hornsby, the founder, moved out here. He was the first guy to move. But since then, uh, a few people have moved. Chris, or Steve Palazzolo, the other uh, face of the PFF podcast, if you like. Steve moved out here. Rick Drummond, um, one of our guys, uh, analysts and behind-the-scenes guys, he's moved in a, a few others. And then uh, I was one of the more recent guys to move over last year. It was a really good podcast in the off-season where you had Peter King on and um, chatting to him about uh, the story and when he was sort of speaking to Chris, he was like, this stuff's great. And then uh, I think he was encouraging Neil. Um, but no, it's just amazing history how it's exploded. Yeah, it's, it's really, I mean, it's obviously I'm a little bit biased because I'm part of it, but it's, <laughs> it's a pretty impressive story. You know, Neil Hornsby was really this guy who just, um, started doing this as a fan, as a hobby in his spare time, um, you know, and start paying the first guys of which I was one of them out of his pocket, just by a game by game rate to do some of these games and try and get data in his system. And ultimately that went from where it is to the situation we're in now where all 32 NFL teams are PFF customers. We've got 44, I think college football teams. I think we've got a couple of CFL teams in there as well and pretty much every major broadcaster, et cetera, et cetera. So PFF has gone from being 
Neil's hobby to being, you know, a, a real serious part of the football landscape. And uh, Sam, how are we going to get a uh, Jacker job out there? Because he keeps going on about uh, PFF. So uh, is there an application form for Jack? Well, we're always hiring every offseason. We go through this latest round of, of bringing on new analysts. Uh, most people, certainly in the early days of PFF, everybody started off doing player participation. So that's our kind of one of our more basic uh, kind of tape-related duties. You just go through who's on the field on any given play, where do they line up, what do they do, do they rush the passer, drop into coverage, all that kind of stuff. And everybody really started off doing that. Um, you know, Steve started doing that, Rick started doing that, I started doing that, and then everybody kind of uh, goes on to, to various other things within PFF. So that's always the starting point. I, I, I did go through the process and uh, unfortunately I wasn't quite good enough. It's just um, something I'll continue working on. I'll come back to it at another point. But uh, no, I, I don't know if I actually told Paul at the time, but I did give it a go in this off season. Well, that's the secret. You've got to get in early before they have standards. I, I wouldn't make it through the test anymore. <laughs> All right, excellent. Well, look, we are a Browns podcast, so let's get straight into the Browns uh, questions. Sam, question for you. We've booked a table for three guests. So that's yourself. You can bring one Browns person from the organization and anyone else in the world. Who'd be your two guests? So I'm going to bring John Dorsey. I think he's probably the most interesting person within that organization. And then clearly, if you're going to bring John Dorsey, you have to bring Sashi Brown as well. And both sides of this thing play its way out. I want to see how a dinner conversation goes between the ultimate football guy and the ultimate analytics guy. And let's just see, you know, I'm curious how much those two guys align. You know, obviously there's always a kind of power structure within an organization and Dorsey wants things done his way, but Sashi did a lot of good during his time there. I think he set them on the right path in a lot of ways. And I'd actually be curious how much those two guys align on, you know, player personnel on certain decisions I think it will probably be closer than people think. Okay, here's a question for both of you. Jack, do you think Dorsey and Sashi Brown has ever met? Um, I'm not sure. I think Sashi was obviously well known of him because I think he was the one that initially put them on there as sort of a person to go higher. But uh, no, I think it was really interesting when sort of Dorsey was going through the reasons to select Baker. It almost sounded like he was just going through a PFF like stats and the analytical reasons of every reason you pick um, Baker Mayfield, which just seemed bizarre from the ultimate football guy relying on analytics. But uh, hey, just one name. Uh, Sam, do you think they've ever met? Um, yeah, I think they've probably met. I think they've probably talked. Um, I think it is interesting. Like I say, they, I think they probably do align on an awful lot of things. Um, even if even if the results are sometimes different or people attribute it dramatically differently because you know one is the archetypal football guy and one is just the the stat nerd. Mm. All right, excellent. And um, if you were Dorsey for the day, and and you can't sack anyone, Sam. We like to be positive on this show. Yeah, what would you do? So you're Dorsey right today. What what's the first thing you're going to do, Sam? Yeah, it's a shame we didn't do this a week ago because I think they could have made a move before the trade deadline. I would have liked to have seen a wide receiver come in there. Obviously, Baker um, you know, needs all the help he can get. He's a young quarterback, however good we think he is. 
Um, but that wide receiver course, since they got rid of uh, Josh Gordon, it just needs help. You know, Antonio Callaway's got talent, but he's been dropping a lot of passes. He's not helping out a young quarterback right now. I think Rashad Higgins can be a lot more with Baker Mayfield than he was with the other quarterbacks. So that's a guy I can be positive about, but I would have loved to have seen him move for one of these wide receivers. It does appear to have been on the block. A guy like Golden Tate would be huge for a young quarterback like Baker Mayfield. But, you know, post trade deadline, if I was John Dorsey, it's tough to, it's tough to identify an obvious move right now. You know, I think, I think last week was the last week was the exciting week or earlier this week rather. Yeah. Jack question for you quickly. Did you prefer Monday madness or Dorsey's uh, triple trade Friday? Mon- what do you mean by Monday madness as in sacking Hugh? Yeah. Sacking Hugh was great. Uh, I'm still not a massive fan of the triple trade. Damaris Randall was amazing signing. I'd never wanted Tyrod Taylor unless he was a free agent. I wanted uh, Teddy Bridgewater and Jarvis Landry. There is no way anyone in the world will ever convince me 15 and a half million pounds. Pounds, I'm, I'm so used to this, dollars. It's good money for a slot receiver that just hasn't delivered to the highest level. He's good, but no, not that money. Sam, anything you can do to uh, convince Jack on his uh, Landry words? Um, I, I think Jarvis Landry is a good receiver as long as you're, you're only looking at him for what he is, which is fair. It's a, he's a slot receiver. Um, they can be very dangerous in that role, but the Browns' problem right now is, is not the slot. It's, it's outside. It's, there's no Josh Gordon. There's no number one guy that can scare a defense. And what that always does, if you don't have that guy, is it just allows a defense to collapse down upon those slot guys or the tight end working over the middle and it really limits what they can do. So it makes life tougher for a Jarvis Landry to get his job done if there's, no, if there's nobody out there scaring a defense deep. So I think he's a very good player that would look a lot better if you found that legitimate number one wide receiver threat. But obviously that raises the questions of how much is that worth? And I think it's, a fair, I think it's fair to question that um, the money that he's on, given how dependent he is on other things, going right around him but I do think that if suddenly you found you know a, a relatively cheap uh, high-end number outside receiver Jarvis Landry would start to look a lot more value for the money I agree with that so how did you go from um, working for PFF is that something you just woke up one morning and thought actually I, I really like stuff how did you even hear of him back then so all of the first guys that started working for PFF all knew Neil Hornsby um, through an online message board. We actually all knew each other from the official NFL UK uh, message board. That's where we all met, essentially. And Neil was on there. Um, I was on there. Ben Stockwell, the director of analysis. Um, Khaled El-Sayed, who's our uh, chief of football operations, I think is his title. Gordon McGuinness, who's our social media director. A couple of other people. We were all on that message board, um, and then there was, a, there was another message board that kind of offshot from that, um, and basically, we all, we all just knew each other online. We're chatting there, and Neil kind of recruited the smartest guys, I guess, on that board, the guys that had shown some football intelligence to come on and help him start doing these games. So Ben Stockwell was the first guy he got in to start helping him do it. I think I was the second guy, essentially, from that board, or certainly one of the the second guy that stuck, stuck around for any length of period of time. 
Um, and then the whole thing was basically just not done on a game by game basis way back to sort of 2008 kind of time. Um, and we, we really became the core team of BFF. There was, you know, Neil, uh, Ian Perks is our unsung hero, the, the IT uh, chief. And then Khaled, myself, Ben, um, and we all kind of ran this thing from the ground up to the point where, you know, we eventually started selling premium stats. And then we got our first NFL customer um, came in and started buying stuff. Uh, and then it just, it just went on and on from there. Obviously, when Chris bought the company, it moved over here. Um, and right away, I actually started trying to get a visa to come over. And it turns out that was way more of a pain in the ass than it looked <laughs> like it should have been. Um, and we had to wait a while. But eventually, that got worked through. And that's then I, I found my way over here. Uh, fantastic story. I... Um, one quick question. Where about you from in Ireland? Dublin. Um, so yeah, born and raised to an extent in Dublin, but I've spent, my dad is a surgeon, so I've kind of traveled around a lot. Um, I lived in the UK for a while. I actually, it was a year in Minnesota for when I was a kid, but I, we lived in London as well for a bit and then up, uh, up near Yorkshire in Northern England. And I went to, to university in, in Newcastle and then after university went back to Dublin. Um, and lived there until until we moved over here to Cincinnati. In um, Galloway, we've got a uh, a big Browns following. We've got um, about they turn up about twenty twenty five people to a game to all watch the Browns. Wow! And uh, I'm flying out there at the uh, end of uh, November. Cool. Sounds good. 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 Jack, I think there's one topic you would love to discuss, but I'm gonna let you say it. I don't know who loves. In more, it's me or is it you and uh, is it Sam and is it Steve? But Baker Mayfield, how's it looking? I know you guys know it was pick number one, but uh, how's it looking? What's the future looking like? Yeah, I think I think the Browns have found their quarterback. Um, you know, obviously the last couple of weeks he's been playing a little bit worse. He's he hasn't had great games, but I think Baker Mayfield is the real deal. Um, obviously. You know, PFF grades college games as well. So we grade every game that involves an FBS team over the, over the season, including when they play FCS teams. Um, and we, Baker Mayfield was always the best quarterback we graded, essentially. He's got the top two single season PFF grades ever and three of the top five, I think. Um, he was just head and shoulders above any other quarterback we'd seen. And that includes guys like Jared Goff, Marcus Mariota, Carson Wentz, Jameis Winston, um, you know, uh, Baker Mayfield was the number one guy. We actually we started going back and grading some final seasons of some historical quarterbacks. And the first guy we took a look at was Russell Wilson. And Wilson, I think, is now the second highest graded quarterback. But even Wilson is still behind Baker Mayfield. So Mayfield, from really our entire process, talking about the draft, was the number one quarterback in our eyes. Um, and I think a lot of the reasons we were so bullish on him is because so many of the knocks on him were, were just ridiculous. You know, it was about his height or people claiming he didn't have a strong arm, which is just absurd. He has probably the second strongest arm in this draft class, um, you know, and all those kind of things. So we spent most of the time just knocking down these ridiculous arguments and then saying, look, on top of all that, his tape is, is absurd. It's fantastic. Um, so obviously he started, now with the Browns, he started really hot, looked very good right off the bat, struggled a little bit more of late, but 
a lot of the bad plays have been receivers letting him down. It's been guys dropping the ball. He's got multiple picks this year that have hit his receivers in the hands. You know that. So it's not just that they're he's not getting completions when they're dropping passes. He's they're causing turnovers. You know, he's his passer rating and his turnovers are suffering because receivers aren't making plays. So yeah, I think ultimately he's going to come good. They they still have some work to do in terms of putting a team around him. Left tackle is obviously a major concern right now on, on wide receivers we talked about. But I think finally the Browns have their quarterback. So, Sam, is there any, any team uh, in the NFL that you'd swap for uh, Mayfield? Um, I mean, he's the best young quarterback we've seen that, that has come along for a while. So if you're talking about any, any quarterback you would swap for Baker Mayfield – You've got to look, you know, obviously you'd take a guy like Aaron Rodgers if you only wanted to win tomorrow. But if you wanted to build a franchise starting with the quarterback, you've got to look young enough. And then you're starting to compare him to guys like Jared Goff. Um, and, you know, I think right now the guys like Goff and like Wentz are ahead of the curve. You know, they've been doing it for a couple of years. We have a better understanding of where their ceiling is. Goff within this Sean McVay offense looks fantastic. This year he's not just a system quarterback. He's a quarterback that's within a fantastic system, but is adding to it. So, you know, I think you'd have to have a higher confidence level with a guy like Goff or even Wentz, who's shown it in the, at the NFL level um, for longer than you would with Mayfield. But, you know, this time in a year, or this time a year from now, I think Mayfield could easily look as good as those guys. Mm. I think the, the future, the Browns, from our perspective, looks great. How is it from your guys' view, is it going the right way and what do we need to change to get us over the hump? Yeah, I think they are definitely moving in the right direction. I think they've been heading in the right direction for a while, at least from a talent standpoint. Um, and it's just starting to come together a little bit faster now. And that's always going to happen when you find the quarterback. But, you know, Miles Garrett is looking like a top-tier pass rusher. He's, he's obviously his sacks look great this year, but he's also got a ton of hits, a ton of quarterback hurries. He's been defending the run extremely well. He looks very good. Um, but I think other picks they've made have been really smart as well. Denzel Ward is justifying the pick they made at number four. I think that was as smart as the Mayfield pick, ignoring Bradley Chubb and instead taking Denzel Ward, who's a more valuable position than an edge rusher. He's looking like a legitimate shutdown number one corner. And then guys like Gennard Avery, who's looking like a talented pass rusher in his own right, that they got way lower in the draft. Um, you know, on offense, I think there, there's some issues there, but there's also a lot of talent. You know, with Jarvis Landry, we talked about, but guys like Duke Johnson, um, Nick Chubb, I think will be a very good player as well. There are members of that offensive line that are good players, Petonio in particular, um, you know, Zeitler. I think the issue is just at left tackle. Maybe if they can find a left tackle, that offensive line suddenly becomes one of the best in the league, and then suddenly the entire offense looks way better. So, I think this team's definitely heading in the right direction. There's just a few more pieces that need to be put in place before they're really contending for anything. Uh, good stuff. Uh, the future's bright. The future's Baker is what I just tell everyone. And completely hypothetical question here, this one. If you ran an NFL team and could only hire from PFF, who would be the GM, head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and you can hire yourself in one of those four roles? Yeah, so I've been thinking about this a bit. And, you know, we talked about this on our podcast a bit. And, and Steve decided that when he runs his own team, he's going to be the GM. And he's reserved the role for me doing social media. And so consequently, Steve is not going to be any of the positions I hire in, in this particular 
gig. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to install myself as the head coach. I think that's only right and proper. I'm going to be the guy making the game time decisions. Obviously I'm going to have smart people in my ear. It's not going to be me doing the whole thing, but, but I'll take the fall for it. Um, the GM side of things, I'm thinking you're going to need essentially the GM for me is going to be my talent acquisition guy. So I want my, my best scout in there. And, you know, he can be a little bit flaky at times, but Mike Renner, I think has one of the best eyes of anybody at PFF. His scouting stuff is always excellent. Um, his, his, uh, his ability to sort of identify quality talent I have enormous faith in. So Mike would be my GM with the caveat that, you know, I've got an owner that leans on the head coach's side rather than the GM. I'd have to make sure Mike didn't have too much control. Um, my defensive coordinator, Steve actually had this idea, so I'll credit him for that, even though it's not getting him a job, but it'll I'll give, him, <laughs> I'll give him a, a hat tip for this one. We're going to put Zach Robinson as the defensive coordinator because for anyone that doesn't know, Zach is a former NFL quarterback, played quarterback at Oklahoma State. So he's an offensive guy. But the logic being the quarterbacks understand how to attack quarterbacks, you know? So what you want in your defensive coordinator is actually a quarterback mind so he understands how best to pressure these guys. So Zach's going to be my defensive coordinator. Um, in a perfect world, I'd like to cheat and bring Bobby Slowick back from the 49ers, install him as my offensive coordinator. I think Bobby's a really smart mind, was a former PFF analyst. But if he doesn't count, then I'll go with Ben Stockwell, uh, our director of analysis. He's probably the smartest sort of football mind that nobody knows because he hides away back in the shadows and doesn't, doesn't get out in the public too much. Oh, fantastic, Ruben. Well, what is that position for Steve? Is it water boy or you got something else in mind? Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to work out once we, you know, once we get the organization up and running and find out what the most kind of obnoxious job is within the building, we'll find something that Steve can do. Jack, this is one for our, our Saturday show. We're going to do it with our friends of the podcast, our um, uh, organization, yeah? Yeah, we'll have a think and see what our team looks like. Uh, I would put money on their team beating our team, though. Mm, don't know. We've we've got quite a lot of passion, Jack, and uh, yeah, true. We're Brown supporters. We're going to be own sixteen. So, <laughs> all right, great, Sam. A question from uh, from my side on on the Brown side is: uh, How many wins do you think the Browns are going to finish up on this season? Yeah, so it's interesting. We've got uh, our analytics guys that run a lot of numbers now. One of the things they do is, is win projection stuff. So it actually ties in all of the PFF data, um, looks ahead, looks at strength of uh, opponent, all this kind of stuff. And we've got win projections. We've got Super Bowl projections or Super Bowl odds, division odds, all that kind of stuff. Um, they actually just ran these numbers uh, yesterday, I think. And they've got Cleveland with five wins ending the season which interestingly gives them a 1% chance of winning the division. So there you Ooh. go. <laughs> I, I saw one stat, Jack, today that we've got 4% chance of making the playoffs. I, I, I saw that as well. I thought, uh, that will do. 4% yeah. chance. It still gives us hope. Well, with five wins, we've got you with 0.3% chance of winning the playoffs. So it's or making the playoffs. It's not quite as rosy as that. Yeah, Sam, I'm never a fan of the PFF when they make stats like that up. We've got to be more positive. <laughs> yeah, and it, it ends up as uh, under 0.1% in winning the Super Bowl, but it's not zero yet. It's still, it's still, not, uh, still not over. Yeah, as a Browns fan, we like to dream. Uh, we don't really believe in the stats. <laughs> well, yeah, I can, I can understand that. So, oh. if the NFL draft was tomorrow, 
What position would you draft rounds one and two? Obviously, it's too early to go into players, but what positions would you be looking to grab? Yeah, I think they need to try and answer that left tackle problem. Um, to be fair to Desmond Harrison, he's you know a guy out of an incredibly small school. He really doesn't have any business starting right now. Um, so it's I'm not saying he has no shot. This is a guy that could develop into a player down the line, but I don't think you can run into 2019 with him starting as your left tackle and being comfortable with it without some competition there, unless, you know, his development over the off season is just mind blowing or even over the second half of this season. And that just seems unlikely to me. So I think in the draft, you need to find a tackle of some kind, at least give him some competition so that hopefully the competition between this drafted guy and Harrison, one of those guys turns out to be a viable uh, left tackle. And then I think, again, it's, it's wide receiver. It's what we talked about. I, I don't know if it's a fantastic year for wide receiver prospects, but there's a lot of big-bodied, uh, big-talented wide receivers there that could potentially be that number one guy on the outside and allow Jarvis Landry and Duke Johnson to, to operate in the slot and underneath. And as I said, I still have hope that Rashad Higgins can become a sort of solid number two receiver. Jack, how do you feel about that, taking a wide receiver so early in the draft? I, I think second round is probably, I think it might drop to the third round with our two third round picks. But yeah, I think second or third round is definitely, we're going to be grabbing one in there. I think left tackle for me is what I've got in the first round. Or it'll be, Steve will be pleased with this if he listens, it'll be a cornerback. You can never have enough good cornerbacks. Um, add to that pile and uh, no, may, the, may the wealth continue. Get some more players, Mitchell, Ward and Gaines. Add another one, why not? Excellent. And uh, Sam, we like to ask all our guests this. We like something a bit crazy. I don't know. Greg Williams is going to go up and headbutt a cheerleader. Anything crazy. Um, but yeah, Sam... We want a very, very hot take about the Browns this season. Something ridiculous from you. Yeah, I could easily see Greg Williams losing his freaking mind on the sideline <laughs> at any point. That would be – you know what? So, the Greg Williams defenses are interesting because they're so high risk, high reward. Um, on any given week, they could either completely stifle one of the best offenses in the league, generate a bunch of turnovers, create something special, or – um, get blown out, you know, let the Raiders rack up 45 points on them, that kind of thing. So, but every now and again, they're going to find that high risk game that works. And as much as it looks like a one-sided game on paper, it would not shock me if the Browns knocked over the Kansas city chiefs. I think it's possible that if that defense shows up and has one of those big turnover games, um, you know, the, the good Greg Williams defense shows up and you get a good Baker game and you basically hang with the Chiefs in a shootout that becomes more viable because Greg Williams' defense generates some turnovers, it's possible. So there's a crazy prediction. Sam, you haven't got any uh, stats on our uh, percentage of chances of beating the uh, Chiefs? Yeah, it's not going to be high. <laughs> it's a pretty, uh, pretty out-there prediction, but I do think it's possible. It's not, cra it's not that crazy. Well, Until I wonder what would be more unlikely in terms of odds. The uh, Browns to go 0-16 last season or uh, for us to beat the Chiefs. And, uh, it, it's the sort of thing they do of like just be Browns and just do something no one expects. Um, so, no, it's, it's going to be an interesting game to watch regardless. Either we're going to lose by 40 or it's going to probably go to overtime. Sam, what is your predictions for the game uh, on Sunday? 
Uh, Score yeah. prediction. Score prediction. Huh. Sorry, I've put you on the spot here. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Uh, scores are always kind of, uh, they're always pretty chaotic because, you know, the NFL is such a, it's such a dynamic league where turnovers play a key part. You know, you look at that game um, with the, the Minnesota Vikings and the New Orleans Saints, for example, where the Vikings looked like they had that game kind of in charge. And then one turnover started, it turned momentum entirely. And the Saints ended up walking away with it with a, with a second pick six in there. But I, I think this one will be relatively close. I think the Chiefs will score 30 because they always do. So let's say that Chiefs offense gets to 30. I think the Browns will be in the 20s. I think they'll run it within a score of Kansas City. Classic Browns. I just hope we match what the last uh, Baker-Mahomes game of something like 1,400 yards. I think it was nine passing TDs. That would be a good game to watch. Yeah, that, that game was absolutely ridiculous. If they combined for like 1,300 yards, uh, I think 12 touchdowns, one interception. Yep, I don't know how many completions, but I think Mahomes had 52 completions. <laughs> Greg Williams won't be happy with his defense if that's the case. <laughs> no, that's true. But no, massive thank you for joining us, Sam. Um, where can people find you on Twitter, um, your podcast, everything else? Yeah, um, the PFF, a PFF podcast will, I think, get you to us regardless of what podcast platform you're on. Um, I'm at PFF underscore Sam on Twitter. Uh, so you can grab me there. Oh, and make sure don't just go and follow Sam's podcast. Grab the uh, PFF forecast as well. Um, Eric and George do some fantastic stuff. Um, really good guests. We're hoping to get Eric on soon. So uh, in December next month, you'll uh, hear from Eric. Um, but no, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Paul, waving at me. Yeah. Sam, you're going to have to listen to Jack's PFF show because he does one once a week. It'd be great to hear your opinion on Jack's show. All right, I'll check it out. Sounds good. All right, chat Excellent. about salary cap. I did a piece uh, this week looking at all the uh, PFF grades for the first seven um, weeks and what the average draft position was for the first 25 and 50% of starters, um, which I just thought was interesting, the fact that there's so many undrafted uh, cornerbacks and running backs within the top uh, chunk of players, which is something I never thought um, was out there, but uh, interesting nonetheless. Paul, uh, what's the competition? You push in uh, reviews, ratings. We need to get some five stars. Hopefully now we've got Sam on. People will actually like the podcast. Yeah, so just um, we get these big guests on. We don't ask from anything from our fans except for this one thing. Can you please give us some reviews? Once we hit 50... Um, reviews we're going to give away a free jersey of your choice and uh, yeah so go tonight do some reviews uh, thank you very much iTunes and we will keep getting big guests like Sam on our show just for you thank you very much Sam have a great evening and uh, thank you for joining us yeah thanks for having me guys it's been fun great and hopefully Sam we see you out in uh, Ohio soon somewhere yeah, sounds good. Do you go to any of the Cleveland games at all? Haven't been up to Cleveland yet. We went to the, the Bengals Thursday night football game that was on here uh, early in the season when they played uh, the Ravens, but we haven't been up to Cleveland yet. Well, I'm out there next Sunday, so if you fancy coming to me, a crazy British fan, it'd be an honour to have you with us. 
Yeah, sadly, we're locked in for the live sky sky hits we do uh, every week. So, okay. Unfortunately, actually, Sundays are the worst time for us. <laughs> All right, great. Well, look, Sam, thank you very much. And I just want to finish up by saying change is now here. Change.